Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is? It's that time again, episode 65 for the love of the game. Let's cook. is back in the studio it's been a little bit but it feels great to be back in the studio episode 65 for the love of the game damn it feels great to be back here let me tell y'all there's a lot that has gone down in the world of sports since the last show so much to talk about so without further ado uh let's dive right in baseball's offseason the hot stove started out a little early this year winter meetings got underway And let's just say the New York baseball teams, both of them, have had very good starts to the offseason. First, let's start with the New York Yankees. Well, they finally got their guy, the guy they have wanted since they drafted him out of high school and he spurned them to go to UCLA. None other than Garrett Cole, who's arguably the best pitcher in baseball the last two years. Well, he's finally a Yankee to the tune of nine years, $324 million. Wowza. Just a massive deal, massive, massive deal. The Yankees decided it was time to act like the Yankees of old. No more of this frugal BS. The Yankees, who have more money than God, well, they dropped the bag on him. The Yankees basically said, we need this guy at all costs, and they got him. Yankees fans have been waiting for this for a while, and they got their wish. Yeah, the last... uh, 40 years of this deal may not look so good, but in terms of this team right now that's built to win right now, uh, this deal is a no-brainer, and should they should be the favorite going into the season. Starting rotation with Garrett Cole, Severino, Paxson, Tanaka looks pretty tasty at the moment, especially with the bullpen they have. The Yankees are going to be an absolute wagon this season. As for the other New York team, the Mets, well, they got even better news. The Wilpons, they hated Wilpons. Some of the worst and cheapest owners in baseball and in all of sports have decided to sell the team to billionaire Steve Cohen, uh, who hails from Great Neck. Shout out Great Neck. And Steve Cohen will now basically own all the Mets, uh, well over 80% of the team. Yeah, there will be a five-year transition period where the Wilpons will be staying on as figureheads. But the guy who's depicted in the show Billions... Uh, the guy whose character is basically Bobby Axelrod. You don't think he's going to come in immediately and put his stamp on the team? I texted my Met fans friends, Mazel Tov, and their response was, this is the greatest day of their lives as Mets fans. And this team went to the World Series in 2015. So Mets fans are super excited, excited times in Flushing, uh, and the Mets, who knows, maybe they will make a couple of splashes soon. And uh, on to the NFL where we are in week 16. Can't believe the regular season is almost always, almost over at the moment. 
Time really needs to chill the hell out for a little bit. But here we are. A couple of NFL notes before we get into this week's picks. Man, week 15 was a rough one for you, boy. More on that in just a moment. Uh, shout out to Drew Brees. He became the all-time leader in passing touchdowns. He's already the all-time leader in passing yards. He's had just an amazing career. Um, and a career that was almost cut short before it came to be. Just a really good guy, a great career, and someone who has powered my fantasy team all year this year. Uh, shout out to my fantasy team for uh, making it to the finals this coming week. I uh, was really shitty at fantasy football for the last couple of years, but not this year. We're in the finals, not that anybody cares. So sh- thank you, Drew Brees. Um Congratulations again to Drew Brees on on an unbelievable performance uh, last night on Monday Night Football that pushed him uh, at the top of the mountain uh, in terms of passing touchdowns. Eli Manning, speaking of guys who've had great careers, obviously not as great as Drew Brees, and Brees' career is still going strong, and Eli looks like he's played his last game on Sunday, but he goes out with a win against the Dolphins at home uh, and got a nice and well-deserved send-off from the fans. Eli has driven me crazy over the years, but he's given me two Super Bowl wins, two incredible runs, and I'll miss him dearly. As for the uh, as for the league as a whole, uh, right now the uh, playoff picture is really taking shape. Uh, a lot of teams have clinched, uh, but there's still some really important matchups coming in Week 16. And now uh, for Week 16's picks. As I mentioned just a moment ago, Week 15 was a mess. And I entered Week, week 15 on a hot streak. I was 11-4 in my prior 15 selections heading into Week 15. A major hot streak. And as of 3 p.m. on Sunday, it was looking like I was going to be 3-0 and in the early slate. Just, just too good to be true. And then, of course, as it normally does, it turned for the worse. Seattle decided it was content and took their feet off the gas and ended up pushing when they were winning by double digits the entire game. And the worst of all, the worst, the worst beat probably of the season the Washington Redskins were covering six and a half points covering all game last play of the game about two seconds left they are only down by four and then what happens Dwayne Haskins decides to lose his mind fumble six and they lose by 10 in absolutely brutal loss just gross what looked like to be back-to-back four and one weeks turned into a two-two and one week. So now I'm sitting at 39-35 and one on the year, about 52%. My goal for the year was to be 54-55%. So I need to get kind of hot in the last two weeks. Uh, so here are the picks for week 16. Hopefully we get back on the right track. One, Miami minus one over the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are just bad. Miami's frisky. And Miami's home. I think they should. it should be a three-point game, getting a couple of points here. Uh, Miami minus one. Two, the Giants plus two and a half versus the Redskins. I just don't think the Redskins are very good. I think the Giants have already beaten them there. The Redskins don't really have a home field advantage because their fans hate them, so I'm taking the Giants. Three, the Jaguars, plus seven versus Atlanta. Atlanta's that team that is really good one week, not good the next week. The line's really high. I don't think Atlanta should ever be favored by more than four and a half or so against anyone. Jaguars, plus seven. At four, Texans, minus two and a half versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's just really banged up right now. They lost Chris Godwin again to injury. Mike Evans is out. Uh, I just think too many injuries. As excited as Jameis Winston is, I like the Texans here because they 
want to clinch their division. And at five, I've got the Chiefs minus five against the Bears. Bears were eliminated last week. Uh, so I think uh, the Chiefs want to uh, possibly get a, a first round bye. They have a lot to play for. Patrick Mahomes looks like he's rounding into form after missing a couple of games with injury. I like the Chiefs minus five. Uh, quick note, I'm not going to talk about the Patriots' latest, latest scandal because, frankly, I don't care, and it's the least bit shocking. But if the NFL wants to send a message, they should probably be suspending Bill Belichick. On to the NBA. Uh, Got to get some sad news out of the way first. Uh, Commissioner Emeritus David Stern reportedly in critical condition after having a brain hemorrhage in an NYC restaurant a few days ago. Can't be said enough how influential David Stern was in terms of the growth of the NBA. He's the greatest commissioner in the history of pro sports, and we really hope gets well soon and pulls through. He just had emergency surgery. Uh, right now, the prognosis is not looking great, but uh, hopefully David Stern can pull through. Now onto the news on the court. And I got to start with my New York Knicks. They finally fired coach David Fisdale after losing back-to-back -back games by close to 40 points. As a coach, uh, especially when your front office came out and had that press conference, I mean, you can't lose back-to-back 40-point -back games and keep your job. Uh, it's not his fault that the Knicks are bad, but he has done nothing to help the matter. Steve Mills and Scott Perry need to go too uh, at the end of the year. And it's time to just start over. I mean, I feel like as Knicks fans, we've been saying this forever, but it's time to just start over again, clean house and, and start from scratch. And hopefully this is the last I speak of them for a while because they're just a disgrace. So as many of you know, I like to do a segment on my Instagram, a.tobin has for those of you who don't follow, give your boy uh, a follow and expect some additional fantastic content. Well, I do this segment called Asshole of the Day. So I'm going to do a little Asshole of the Day NBA edition. Runner up number one, the aforementioned New York Knicks. I mean, they could win Asshole of the Day every single day, year, anytime that Dolan's been in charge. So for today's episode, they're just going to be runner up number one. Runner-up number two, another favorite of mine, the Houston Rockets. No surprise here. Daryl Morey with the constant patting himself on the back that he's the smartest guy in the room, the greatest general manager since sliced bread. Well, even though he hasn't won anything. James Harden for hunting for fouls and doing James Harden things and coming up small in the playoffs. Houston for always thinking that they're getting screwed uh, by the refs with foul calls, not getting enough calls when... In fact, James Harden gets more foul calls than anyone. And the latest, the latest to the, this list is after a blown dunk call uh, with James Harden against the Spurs where the ball popped out that should have counted for two points, but it didn't. It was actually a really bogus call. But the fact that the Rockets legitimately thought that the NBA was going to retroactively give them a win or even replay the game from that point on um, when the dunk was supposedly missed is just so funny and so Houston Rockets and yeah they got screwed uh, but in the middle of a game in a flow of the game it isn't caused to replay a game or even worse retroactively give somebody a win not to mention the fact that they blew a 10 point lead in that game and that the missed dunk was not the reason that they lost the just the smugness and the crybabiness of the Houston Rockets is just astounding and this includes all of James Harden fans and defenders too they, they just complain about everything but even they aren't the asshole of today uh for today's NBA edition of the uh, of asshole of the day that distinct honor goes to Kyrie Irving 
So Kyrie Irving has been out with a shoulder injury for a bit now, and the Nets, who are below 500 with him in the lineup, are now playing way better basketball and are now above 500 without him. He has a history of moodiness, his mood swings and emotions, and his just fragility, his temperament, whatever you want to call it, uh, has now caused friction with three teams and has had a messy breakup with two of those teams. He's supremely talented, one of the best individual talents I've ever seen, who is clearly not a leader, and when he's expected to be the face of the franchise, it never goes well. Look at his exit with the Celtics. He says he's going to resign in Boston if you'll have me back, and then decides to sign with Brooklyn, but it wasn't just the fact that he changed his mind and bounced town for Brooklyn. It was all the garbage that went along with it and how he handled himself. So now fast forward to the Nets. They're visiting the Celtics, and their first it's their first visit since Kyrie signed with the Nets, and he's nowhere to be found. So naturally, the Boston crowd chants, where's Kyrie, and Kyrie sucks. Basically, day one stuff at a sporting event. And Kyrie Irving, again, isn't even in the building. But then Kyrie goes to Instagram and posts this letter of absolute garbage and nonsense, where he calls himself an artist and blames pro sports and fans for polluting the purest form of art and that they deface the players, or as he calls them, the artists that are just trying to make their art and and show off their art. I mean, my God, what a pansy-ass bitch this guy is. First of all, uh, being this butthurt over fans razzing you after you acted like an asshole for their team for basically a year is laughable, but even more than that, saying pro sports and the media and the fans are polluting the purity of the game and that he would just strictly play for the love of the game is absolute nonsense. Pro sports, the media, and the fans allow you to be handsomely paid to play the game you love. So if you love the game so much and don't want it to be polluted and want it in its purest form, here's an idea, dude. Give up your earnings Null your contract and go play pickup at the local Y, JCC, or whatever gym and do it for free. Commercializing the game and ruining it? Bro, you have a signature shoe line with Nike and have made Pepsi commercials and made an Uncle Drew movie. You are commercializing the game. You're taking advantage. He should, if he wants just to play for the purity of the game, give back those profits too. Like, shut the hell up, dude. I mean, Kyrie is the guy who thinks of himself as an intellectual, yet he's just a woke dumbass who most definitely is not the smartest guy in the room, even though he thinks he is. He's a thin-skinned bitch, a woke idiot, and someone who someone whose talent doesn't seem to result in team success. Look at the Celtics now. Replace that cancer uh, with Kemba Walker, and they are so much better. So Kyrie Irving, congrats. You are this edition's NBA edition of Asshole of the Day. And one last thing before getting into tonight's main topic, a little positivity. Someone who's the anti-Kyrie Irving, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Entering last night's game against the Mavericks, Milwaukee had won 18 straight games, and Giannis has been sensational all season. He was the rightful MVP last season, and All he did in the offseason was just get better. Right now, he's averaging 31.7 points per game, 5.3 assists per game, 12.8 rebounds per game, and he's shooting 32% from three on greater volume, which is a major improvement from last year. He brings it every single night, night in and night out, and he almost never misses a game. He's all about the business and that business being basketball. He's a great teammate, and he works his ass off, and he doesn't say too much in the media. His team stunk last night, 
versus Dallas. Nobody can make a shot. And listen, over the course of an 82-game season, nights like that just happen where you just don't have it, especially since they've won 18 straight. And what does Giannis do? Oh, only tally 48 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, and almost single-handedly win the game by himself. He's just a delight. I mean, he's a freakish combination of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and a young Shaquille O'Neal. He's the best player in the league right now. It's not particularly close. So kudos to you, Giannis. Keep being you. Oh, and by the way, he's only 25 years old and he's getting better. Just absolutely scary. He, not LeBron, not Durant, not Anthony Davis, not Kawhi, has the ceiling to be the greatest player ever, and I can't wait to see how that whole thing unfolds. And with that... Um, we got to get into tonight's uh, main topic where we're going to talk about the NBA with a great uh, recurring guest, one of my favorite recurring guests. We're going to talk about the Lakers. I've been saving them for this recurring guest in just a couple of moments. Okay, so as you probably could have guessed, uh, I'm bringing in a very uh, special recurring guest. He's been on the show a bunch of times. His Lakers are 24-3. and I've spoken a lot about the NBA lately, and I have not talked about the Lakers at all because I've been saving them for him. Uh, you could probably guess Mr. Rob Carpellis is back. Rob, uh, we're not going to talk about the Rams' performance on Sunday. We're going to talk about the Lakers. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's, it's good that now when we're talking about the Lakers, we have an actual purpose. They're the number one team in the league, so it's not just, you know, Okay, so it's not like the NFL where you have to talk about the Cowboys no matter what. Um, the Lakers, I feel like, fall under that bucket. But now, since they're the best team, it makes sense. Okay, so let's start there. Are they this good? Are you really buying this? Are they as good as their record indicates? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think I think we've passed that. Um, we've kind of like passed the, that threshold. If that makes sense, I think like. You know, maybe for the first part of, I don't know, you know, 10 or 15 games in, maybe you could argue that, you know, they haven't reached that, um, that, that level yet, or they, they need, they need, you know, I think at this point, they have enough quality wins and they've played enough quality teams and they've shown you enough of their, you know, their performances to validate the fact that this is for real. Are they going to finish the season, you know, on some historic run over seven. No, you know, they're good. They're going to hit a rough patch, but I think for the most part, we've seen enough to say they are a heavy title contender. So I would agree with that. Um, but I guess my, my one thing, and I want to say first that I wasn't necessarily there yet. Uh, the game against Miami really has me changing my tune because Miami's really, really good. They hadn't lost at home all season, and uh, they got the Lakers got down early and just were exceedingly impressive in terms of coming back. I mean, Davis was a monster. Um, LeBron, you know, had moments where he put his stamp on the game, but the fact that they pounded Miami specifically on the boards and Miami's a really tough team and came back to win at their place. That was like the first moment where I was really, really kind of buying this Lakers team as being like a, a, a top. Well, I, I always thought they were going to be like a top four or five team in the league. Uh, but in terms of being potentially a finals contender, um, that was the first win that really put that uh, that stamp on it for me. I mean, 
where where are you in terms of like your excitement? Are you just like over the moon? Like 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 walk me walk me through your emotional state at the moment. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh you you're just breaking up. Uh what walk me through your emotional state with this team right now. Like where are you at well, with this team? Well, well let me let me let me ask you one quick question, okay? Yeah. Why is it? Why is it that? And it's not. It's not. Listen. It's, I mean, it's come, this. A lot of this talk is coming from, you know, on Twitter. We see it a lot, and we see it from like the national media, ESPN, etc. Where it's almost like the big question is that you started off at the top of this conversation is, are the Lakers for real? Can we take? Have they beaten enough quality teams, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Why is it that the Lakers have gotten that type of feedback where? Almost unanimously, everyone's going to agree that the Clippers are for real. It's like the Clippers haven't even had, and I don't mean to, I'm just using them as an example. It just seems odd that a team like the Clippers, who is also sort of new, they've added two new superstars to their team, they haven't done quite as well as the Lakers have, but nobody's questioning whether, they're, whether or not they're for real. But the Lakers, it almost seems like everybody's waiting you know, they play the Bucks on Thursday. If they lose that game, everyone's going to come out right away and go, oh, see, they're not for real. They can't beat the best team. It's just, it's a weird standard. That's, so, that's so one thing. I think, there, I, I think there are a couple of reasons for this. One, if you look at the Lakers roster, right, it's still a weird roster in a sense that it's very big heavy. And the lot, the progression of the NBA doesn't necessarily favor all their best players playing at once, especially okay. in a playoff series. So I think that's one. Two is the questions about, I mean, the LeBron-Davis combo has been otherworldly, but what about numbers 3 through 12 on the roster, right? Danny Green's been there, but are you really counting on Alex Caruso, who I personally think is like their fourth best player, KCP and those guys is Dwight Howard can continue to not be like the Ebola virus that he's been throughout the last couple of years is JaVale McGee going to keep his head on straight um, I mean I think that's the second question and the third question is you know Anthony Davis has a history of being a little fragile uh, I mean he's played a lot of games in terms of regular season games in the last three years. Now I'm not really going to count yeah, last year with the weird. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is uh, 50-50 go or no go each Yes, night. of course. And the Clippers don't get this. Uh, well, you know their best player is Fred. You're right. You're right. But I'm saying. Well, what I'm saying is the bar is a little different. It is, but also Kawhi Leonard's the reigning Finals MVP. So you've seen that he's done it, right? He's done it. And, you know, Davis hasn't shown that he's done it yet. I mean, LeBron's also 35 years old. Uh, and, I mean, he's defying every freaking expectation right now. And he looks engaged. And, and he looks as good as he's ever looked. I mean, he looks 30,000 times better than he did last year. But I think those are the question marks. And, the, and they're going to give Kawhi the benefit of the doubt. And if you look at the Clippers roster, because let's face it, as – the way the league is is looking right now, and we're going to get to this in a second, but it's really the Lakers and Clippers on top of the West, and it's everybody else, right? So right now the Lakers have basically met, 
are being measured against one team and one team only, and that's the Clippers. And if you go through the Clippers, you know, 3 through 12, the Clippers are exceedingly deep and have dudes that come in, whether it's Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, whether it's Mo Harkless can give you, you know, good minutes in a playoff series and has been switchable. Yeah, They're I'll, just I'll concede to that. I agree. I, I do think that the, it's there are – Questions still about the Lakers roster when you're looking at them at, at, at face value. On paper, there's still some concerns there, more so than, you're right, like a deeper team than the Clippers. So I don't know. I mean, maybe you got to give credit. I watched nearly every Laker game this year. You have to give credit to Vogel, their coach, uh, who's been defensively. The Lakers are superb. I think his rotations are excellent. He almost seems to have his pulse on what or who needs to be in the game at that certain time. Um, LeBron James is throwing back the clock, and I think he's he's the best player ever in my mind, maybe next to Magic Johnson, at making everybody around him better. So, I mean, and we know, like, LeBron could take subpar rosters and elevate everybody else. I think he's doing that. Well, um, hold on one second. I just want to, I, I want to, yeah. I guess, push you on that point. Now, that's always been true for role players, but it hasn't always been true for stars. Like, for example, Dwayne Wade had to take a little bit of a step back for it to work in Miami. Because that first year, when they were basically two of the five best players in the league, it didn't necessarily work, right? It was, was, uh, you know, your turn, my turn type thing. Kevin Love was tremendously marginalized in Cleveland. Chris Bosh was marginalized in Miami. And yeah, they're the third guy, but... You know, stars haven't always necessarily, I I should say, LeBron hasn't always brought out the best in stars until now, because this Anthony Davis thing right now, I mean, it's really hard to differentiate who's been the more valuable of the two, because they both performed at top five at least, you know, in terms of top five players in the league. So Davis is like the first true star that LeBron's played with, where he's like, you know, LeBron's equal. Sure. But the role players is true. I mean, I mean, LeBron has gotten more role players paid than anybody recently. Since, I mean, since like Jason Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not uh, – It's uh, this team is – the camaraderie is it's different. LeBron, I think LeBron and AD are – it almost remind, it does remind me a lot of Shaq and Kobe where you have, you know, people if – you, if, if you ask people about Shaq and Kobe, they'll say, oh, they fought, they didn't get along. But on the court, it was really like yin and yang. I mean, it was perfect. And I think that when Shaq was uh, AD and LeBron is very similar. They just feed LeBron and, and Wade maybe needed the ball more. They they were attackers. LeBron and, and AD complement each other very well. And I think that's feeding through to the rest of the team. And then other guys are stepping up, like, you know, these sort of unsung heroes who guys that I think what's worked for the Lakers is you don't have a lot of role players who are trying to become stars. You don't have a lot of role players who are under contract or trying to make a name for themselves who have other agendas maybe other than being on the same page as LeBron and winning. What you have with the Lakers is guys like Caruso and guys like Dwight Howard who really are just happy to be there and are willing to do all the little things to make sure the Lakers win. And I think that's what's been helping the team a lot. So we mentioned it earlier, the supporting cast of guys like Caruso, Dwight, KCP. Um, I like Caruso. KCP, I think, it stinks. I know he's been hot of late. I don't trust the Dwight Howard thing. 
Um, I don't trust JaVale McGee. Again, it's a lot of bigs. I mean, I think to really optimize the team, they're going to have to play Davis at the five, and they may be a wing guy too short. I mean, uh, how, how do you feel about, like, KCP and Caruso at the moment? Because they're going to have to play big playoff minutes. I, I, I mean, I think a guy like Caruso, there should be no concern in the playoffs because what he does is transferable no matter what. The guy throws himself on the ground for a loose ball. He defends other good guards. He could actually, he's got a stroke from the three when he's open, which are all sort of intangibles that you need to have as a player when you come in to, to any type of game, and even especially a playoff game. So for Caruso, I think it's, that's a great guy to have in the playoffs. We're not, Lakers aren't relying on him to, to have 20 points or, or, or to, you know, crush his guy or anything like that. So Caruso is fine. I think KCP is, it's almost like it is what it is with him. You know, you'll have those games where he gets a little hot or, you know, he, he pulls. He, the one thing I will say about him is he's not afraid to take big shots. And while that may have not been good for on a team like last year with the Lakers when, you know, they didn't, they didn't need him to take big shots with, with this team, when the, when the attention is on guys like LeBron and AD, you almost need somebody else to say, you know what, I'll, I'll take it, I'll do it. And sometimes, especially late in games, he is successful doing it. He's made some key, some key plays for us in key games this year. So it, you'll take what you'll get, but I trust Vogel enough to be able to make the right decision with KCP where he could say, you know what, he's on tonight, let's use him, this is, or he's got a, a mismatch. Or another situation where you could say, you know what, I'm not playing in the whole fourth. And Vogel's done that, so it's, you know, we're not, we'll take what we can, but we'll also make the decision with KCP when he's not, um, you know, the right guy for us at the moment, and Vogel will bench him. So I'm, they're not too concerned with either of those guys. I think the bigger concern for me in terms of personnel is Rondo. Um, I was just, just going to get to that in a second, but yeah, continue. Yeah, I think he's just. I think it's you're asking Rondo to do more. He's your point guard, and you're asking him to handle the ball a lot, and you're asking him to take the pressure off of LeBron when LeBron isn't in, and even sometimes when LeBron is in the game. That to me is more of potentially a bigger risk um, with the team because if Rondo is getting into his, you know, sort of groove where he's handling the ball too much, he's making too many risky passes. He's ice cold from outside. Then you have a weak link on the team that other teams could exploit. And then defensively, Rondo's also a liability. So there are some games, games where Rondo is, is, is driving and kicking and finding, dishing and finding other guys, and you're like, wow, he's got nine assists tonight through three quarters, and everything's working. But then there's other nights where it's like he makes a great pass, LeBron gets a dunk, and then the next play it's like he's just, I, I don't know, what he, he, he's trying to take four guys to the hole and throwing it away. So that could hurt you in a playoff game. I do think at some point the Lakers might need to look at, is there another playmaker, another slasher, another guy who could handle the ball um, on their team? A guy like Lonzo, it's funny, a guy, you know, I know we had to trade for him to get AD, but a guy like Lonzo Ball I think would be perfect for this Laker team. Um, but yeah, I think Rondo's sort of that. He, he's the one who scares me. Um, so we'll, we'll, so let's talk about the secondary ball handler because it's not just that they need somebody off the bench who can, who can create not just his own shot but for others. Um, but it's also LeBron's expending a lot of energy right now in the early part of the season. 
and he's getting up there in age. I know he's a physical freak and, and defying all odds every time he plays, but is is he doing too much too early to like get them peaking too early? And if they and I think the Lakers need a secondary ball handler, uh, somebody else. A, who's out there for them to get because they don't have picks to trade. They don't have the contracts to trade. Like, how, if they were going to make a move at the deadline, what moves could they make that will really move the needle here? It's a good question. I think what they have to do at the end of the day is make a decision on Kyle Kuzma, because I think that that's really your only piece at the moment, right? If you're gonna, yes. if it's a trade, if it's somebody they're gonna pick up, I, I don't know really who's. I don't have a list of guys who are out. But if it's a trade, if you need to make, and you, and typically if it's somebody you can pick up, it's you know, right? Odds are it's it's probably not somebody who's gonna really move the needle all that much. So your one trade piece is Kuzma. I think the goal is get into a room, Rob Polinka, you know, whoever else makes the decisions, and say. Is is Kuzma worth, you know, do, do the Lakers think that Kyle Kuzma is good enough to say, to turn down a potential trade now that can make the difference for the Lakers winning or not winning the title if that trade is out there? And I, I know Kuzma didn't have a training camp. I know he was hurt in the offseason with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the USA team. So there's a lot of question marks there, and it's not always smart if they feel like he's a potential, you know, above-average player and that he just had a bad start to the season, he's been hurt, et cetera, he, needs a, he didn't have a training camp, he needs more time, then keep him. But if you, if you think there's a move out there to trade him, because I think he is really the only Lakers trade piece, and that move could move you one step closer to a title, then you do it. But again, it's I'm not advocating for doing it or not doing it because I think we need we need to see more of what Kuzma has in the tank. But as of right now, he hasn't shown to me enough to say if there's a potential trade out there, we're turning it down. Well, there you go. I'm going to flip it on you right now. And I'm going to take the contract status out of it just for argument's sake, because it's going to be hard to trade Kuzma because he's on a rookie deal, um, and for them to gobble the contracts together to be able to really make a trade. But let's say a trade was available. If you're the general manager, you're Rob Polinka, wouldn't you trade Kuzma immediately? Because I would. I don't need to see anything else. I would trade him as quickly as I could. Yeah, I would do. I mean, I I think I think you have to at this point because a title is on the line. You're all you know, in you two three years. You have no choice. Yeah, you have no choice. I mean, well, the choice is if you think that Kyle Kuzma could be. I mean, you don't. You want to take a step back and think through like is you know if you think Kuzma is going to be because Lakers thought really highly of him in the off season and from everything I read. They didn't. He was the piece they didn't want to give to New Orleans, right? In the trade, so I think they really have to ask themselves, you know, what what's their scouting say? Like, is he going to be an All Star, or you know, how much do they believe in him or not? And because he could still help this Laker team now too. It's not like he's 
he's not on the. I mean, he's still. You know, he's had some bigger games. He's had some games where he shows flashes of, hey, this guy. Here's here's why we're so high on him. Um, but it's just not consistent. But ultimately, can you play Kuzma, LeBron, and Davis together in a playoff series and be good enough defensively? Because I don't think you can. And that and that's the bottom line. That's I mean, because that's who's gonna have yeah. to play with. Yeah, I mean, maybe I. I don't know. I think LeBron. I think, I think this Laker team could win a title right now as constructed. I, I think it's tough. I think um, it, it's there. There's a lot of question marks there still. But I, I, I think that to me, they've shown enough that they could. If, if they made no moves from now until June. I still think they're the. I, I think they should still be the favorite to win it all. Well, the I don't think there's. Yeah. yeah. Well, the beauty about this season is there's no team like the Warriors of the last couple of years, which are just like head and shoulders better and more balanced and deeper. Like every top team has a little bit of a flaw. Milwaukee, you know, are their role players good enough around Giannis? The Clippers, how are they going to gel together? How's that going to look? The Lakers, are they like two bodies too short, right? I mean, all the top teams have these question marks, so if you're a Laker fan, you should feel great. But I, I guess, and the, and the question comes down to, at the end of the day, do you think they can beat the Clippers in a playoff series? And I'm still exceedingly skeptical. As great as Davis is, because he's been great. And I know you were sad about trading Brandon Ingram, but your boy Brandon Ingram seems to be like, a, a really good empty calorie stats guy. Um, and as good as, but, you know, Davis and LeBron, as great as they are, I'm, at the end of the day, I just, I don't think they can beat the Clippers in a playoff series. And that's what you're measuring yeah, against. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I think if Lakers played in a seven-game series with the Clippers now, I think, you know, gun to my head, um... I don't know. It's close. I, 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 I mean, I, I do think the Clippers have that edge um, because of their bench. They're deeper, and that probably goes a longer way in the playoffs, but it's, it's, there's still, I think, a long way to go, too, so for, for both teams. And I just, before we move on off the Lakers, and before, I just don't want you to get your hopes up that you're getting Andre Iguodala also because there's no chance that he reaches a buyout because he's going to be – more teams are going to convince themselves that they're all in, that they got a shot, and he, they're going to trade for him. You know, Memphis is going to be able to get a piece, so I wouldn't expect Andre Iguodala. But, you know, you should be excited about the Lakers. I mean, I, I can't even say that you shouldn't. They're, they're way better than I thought they'd be. I just – it just comes down to are they better than the Clippers or do you think they can beat Milwaukee or, or maybe Philly in a playoff series because Philly's a little weird and we'll get to the East in a little bit. Uh, in the second, but that that's what the Lakers are measured against. Yeah, but I also think, too, I mean, most of those teams, like, who wants to go against LeBron and AD for seven games? Oh, nobody. Right? nobody. Like so so there, it, it, you can look at it the other way around, too, where it's like, you know, that's the Lakers are, like, you know, that, that that's a nightmare matchup for whoever um, plays against the Lakers. It's, it's not ideal for them either. Yeah. I just want to talk about it because I know we're, you know, we're running a little bit short on time. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the East versus the West, right? Going into the season, we were talking about how the West is this power conference, how 
you know, the West is so deep and all this stuff and that the East is like the JV League. And at this point of the year, I think it's flipped. I mean, the three best teams in the league right now are the Lakers, Milwaukee, and the Clippers in any given order that you want to do it, right? Because you have to respect Milwaukee because Giannis is the best player in the league. The Clippers, you know, are are built to win playoff series, and the Lakers have statistically have the best record in the league right now. But after those three, you could make the case that the next five best teams in the league are all in the East, between Miami, Boston, Toronto, well, they've been a little a little cold of late, and uh, Indianapolis, and if they get Oladipo back, look out for them. I mean, wouldn't you say that the East, top to bottom, is better than the West this year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I, I think the West is the, the bigger problem. You're you're right. I think you're spot on. The only thing I would add to that too is I think that we. Um, expected more, and it's, it's still early in the year, but I think at this point we expected more from Portland. I think I, when I was on your show, on your podcast before the season, I was really high on Portland. Uh, the Denver seems to have taken a step back, and Utah as well. So there's also teams, um, and San Antonio for that matter. So there's teams in the West that have fallen off, and Houston probably isn't as good as, as they were last year. They probably... I feel like they were still better with Chris Paul, but but yeah, I mean that that that's the one thing I would I would say too is um, the East got better. Um, those teams, those younger teams like the Celtics and Sixers, are coming into their own now. Milwaukee is still really good. They didn't seem to take a step back, and the West has gotten considerably worse. So, but I think it's good. It adds more parity. It's not it's not a, a shoe in that the team out of the West is going to win at all. Um, I still even think Toronto's got a shot. Uh, I will say also, it, it's it's weird all this rating stuff, and maybe it's just a knee-jerk reaction. Maybe it's just you know who knows what it is. But um, it seems like the more parity is not necessarily it's great. Like the East is kind of really good now, potentially better than the West, but doesn't seem like many people care. Like even even the Bucks, like 18-game winning streak in a row, you don't even hear it from the from the national media, right? It's like. It's like the, if you're in the East, you're probably like, wait, wait a minute. Like, we're finally probably better than the West. We've got a really amazing team with the Bucks, who have got, um, you know, arguably the best player in the league, and no one really seems to care. Ratings are down. Interest seems a little to be a little bit down. So well, I, I find that um, kind of interesting. Well, that's a that's a that's a <laughs> subject for another time because I mean the the NBA games on on uh, national television i i should say not on uh, cable but like on basic tv like abc haven't started yet right and we're still in like the football mindset um you know the nfl still sure. going on college is still going on so i think the ratings are going to bounce back like they normally do uh around christmas time which is next week anyway um but yeah no it's it's um it's been a little uh a little up and down for the NBA uh, in terms of ratings yeah. wise. It's been the, down. I the one say. other thing I'd say, the one other thing I'd say with East and West too, though, is is the East might be better overall, but I do think that the more interesting teams, maybe outside of the Sixers, are still in the West. Like even teams like New Orleans, to me. They're losing, but they're still more interesting. Well, Dallas, right? Because right, Zion, with Luka Zion, more interesting. Right. Like, Zion still hasn't played in the West. Yeah, Luca Zion hasn't played. 
sure, it, it's it's sexy, but like I really think the West is super top heavy with the Clippers and Lakers. But the Clippers and Lakers are two of the most interesting teams in the league. And you know, Milwaukee, as much as Giannis is awesome, and I love Giannis more than anybody, uh, it's just you know, it's Milwaukee. It's not Los Angeles. It's just the bottom line, and the Knicks being we need your Knicks to be good. Well, they're a dumpster fire, and the NBA. If if the Knicks, like if the Knicks had in you know the alternate universe where they had a healthy Kevin Durant and Kemba Walker, right, and they were at the top of the East potentially, all of a sudden we'd be singing a very different tune. But like that's just not the case because the Knicks suck, and and the the I mean the the hub of. You know, the epicenter of the NBA right now is Los Angeles. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. But I, I just found it funny that we went into the year thinking that, like, the Western Conference is a gauntlet, right? That every night is going to be – they're going to be beating up on each other. And they have good teams. Like, Houston's good, like, especially for a regular season team. Dallas has been good with Luka. You know, I think Denver's been the biggest – you know, has been disappointing. I think Jokic has been the biggest disappointment in the NBA so far, the fact that he hasn't dominated the way that he should. And Utah has been the biggest team disappointment so far. I mean, what's going on over there? But, yeah, I, I just think top to bottom, the East is better than the West. And yeah. And at yeah. the end of the day, it may not matter because I think that Milwaukee – and the two L.A. teams are a cut above everybody else. So that's it. That's the cream of the crop right there. And the only team yeah. that I really think has a chance to really challenge, as much as I like Miami, is Philly. Because, you know, Embiid can enter that stratosphere of being the best player in the league in there. And they, they play yeah. good defense. And defense wins yeah. titles. And we've always seen, my brother and I always say this, because, you know, we go – We've watched the NBA for since we were since we were little, and Cal, you know, good team. We've seen teams with not a lot of talent just being coached really well in the NBA, who, who do real well during the regular season. But I think like Toronto is a perfect example of that. Before they got quiet, where they've got talent but not great talent, they never seem to really make it all the way through to you know deep into the playoffs. It's the the more talented teams. It, it's not a sexy take, but the more talented teams usually end up going, like, the, I'd rather go with a talented team that maybe hasn't gelled as much during the regular season versus a team that doesn't have as much talent, like Miami, who's played really well together. It, it, the talent usually wins out in a seven-game series from uh, what I've seen over the years. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we saw we saw that with, like, with Boston over the years, right? That they've sure. that they've gone above and beyond their talent level because Brad Stevens, but at the but it falls short in the playoffs, right? Exactly. It just it just does, and I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting interesting playoffs, and the trade deadline and what's going to happen is going to be super interesting. I mean, obviously December fifteenth is come and gone, uh, so guys who signed contracts this past off season are able to be traded. Uh, you mentioned Toronto. Toronto's kind of hit the skids a little bit. Like, does Masai Ujiri decide that he's going to just blow it up now? Like, they had their they had their title run. Is he going to trade Lowry? Is he going to trade Marcus Gasol? Or do they continue going for it? Like, they can, you know, those two guys, we've seen them swing playoff series last year. Like, they can do it again this year. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. But right now, it's really 
Milwaukee in the East and the two LA teams in the West. And as a Laker fan, you got to feel good about your chances. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob, I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties, scheduling difficulties, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you about the Lakers. Uh, I hope you're not too hung up on Brandon Ingram not being a Laker anymore. Uh, it, it'll no, be okay. I'm over it. You're over it. I, I thought so. I thought so. It's always a always a pleasure speaking to you, and we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Cool. Thanks. Right. Thanks for your time. I'll speak to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Rob Carpella. Sorry about if. Uh, we had a little uh, technical difficulties, but uh, we made it work. Always a pleasure talking to him, especially about the Lakers. And that's episode 65 for the love of the game. Take us out, ho. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube